Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Simon Slupik, the CTO and co-founder of Silver, also the chair of the Mesh WG at Bluetooth SIG. And we're going to get to him to a second. He's got lots of experience. He's a friend of a show. And if you listen to this show, you've heard Simon if maybe once or twice. Can't remember now. But he's been, he's been on the show. We're going to get a little update from him in a minute. But before we go there, we got to talk about the easy folks, Greg Eric. That's KeystoneTech.com. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Keep it easy, man. That's right. And sometimes seeing is believing. Keystone has their new live demo room where they actually have their product on the wall, on a bunch of walls, and you can schedule a time to get an online demo of all their product. You can see it lit. You can see how it performs. And when you see it, you believe it and you sell it. That's what you want to do in lighting. Keystone, always keeping it easy, light made easy. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Of course, proud members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Get educated, get associated, get here. We got, we're cooking up all manner of stuff. This is the fastest moving association in the lighting business. That's correct. Enough of that. What's happening, Simon? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Say hello to Greg Garrick. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Hi, Simon. It's been since uh, 2019, Mike. I had to look today, so it's been about. Oh two yeah, years. time fl- time flies. Yes. Holy mackerel! And uh, but now you see, we are all used to those uh, over-the-air stuff, and this is the new normal how we do business. You know what? We had such a huge advantage before COVID. Like we were live streaming, we were like, people were like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Now everybody knows how to do it. was like, and then they're like, that, you know, what, what get a grip on lighting wasn't, was doing was not that complicated. And we're like, yeah, I know it wasn't, but we did it anyway. So anyway, we're all here. So what's going on? Well, back to normal, the new normal, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, um, uh, things are going well of course we've had this <clears throat> year of you know uncertainty i would say and and uh, some things uh, were going slower and some were going at normal speed uh, it's a you know it's all about being adaptive i i would say right because uh, you <clears throat> Kind of like initially, of course, it was a shock for for everyone, but but it lasted barely a couple of weeks, and then people got used to it, found found their ways of, you know, continuing with businesses and even taking advantage of something. So in in, in our turf, uh, you know, Silver is, you know, we are a pure software play. We we just make software for wireless lighting controls and. And uh, for us, you know, doing software has been almost the same under COVID or before or now. Uh, of course, we we do have more people working remotely or hybrid. In, in, you know, before, it was mostly in the office situation. But uh, uh, from our operations perspective, things are mostly the same of course it's it's different from the market perspective of course uh in some areas you know the lockdowns have been or were because we mostly no longer have them at least in our part of the planet uh hopefully uh so they were an opportunity because you know uh we are or our our Partners and customers are mostly after retrofit. So doing retrofits in empty buildings definitely made things easier. Um, but, 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 but of course, the nature and the scope of the projects started to be different, uh, especially in the offices, because they, they, I think COVID transformed offices for good they they are going to be different now and and lighting is a significant part of that and and lighting in offices is going to be different 
And I think that I think those changes bode well for Silver as well. I think the type of oh, changes yeah, be... you're talking about, uh, intermittent occupancy, um, you know, room space sharing by multiple people, a lot of the stuff that's coming out that you hear about two or three days a week or going to the office Tuesday, Thursday, and you know what I mean? This kind of thing is going to, to, to make the case for connected lighting as a secondary, but for you, that would be a primary thing for Silver, but it's going to make those type of connected lighting controls more attractive, Greg Eric. I, I, I just, I, I see it from a perspective of, in terms of renovating these spaces to make them um, suitable for the, I hate the word new normal. I just hate it. I can't say that. Um, so I didn't say that, but whatever it is that's coming where there's a, a hybrid model of people not going to the office and going to the office, I think the number one thing property managers can do is address their lighting and make it controllable. Um, in some fashion or make it employ, employ controls, whether those are Bluetooth or not. Greg, <clears throat> what would you say about that? Yeah, and I would agree. And I think, you know, that's where the Bluetooth has an advantage a lot of times because as these spaces are changing, uh, the room is changing and, and it might not be circuited how you want it circuited and how much of a pain is it to change mm. circuits when you can put the Bluetooth in the fixture and actually address it that way. So I, I see that advantage. And and Simon, when I looked on, on the website, I think it was your uh, Bluetooth mesh website that you're the chair of the mesh uh, WG. It said why you would do Bluetooth mesh. And there's three reasons. And I want to dive into them a little. It says energy savings, user experience, and improved operations. We get the energy savings, right? When you're not there, the lights are off. Tell From an experience standpoint, tell us what you're seeing on that. Yeah, the experience, of course, it, it depends whether you're the facility manager or your tenant. Um, so there, there are those two viewpoints, but they, they both, I think, can be summarized as it's it's all about flexibility of, of the setup. And uh, unlike traditional legacy controls, they Typically, they had been hardwired, in a sense. Of course, controls introduce this separation from power plane and control plane. Before controls, there was just one plane, the copper wire, right? And the line voltage. You break the line voltage, that's your initial way of controlling things. You cut the power. Then you separated things, and, and there was this power plane which was completely independent from the control plane, but the control plane still was kind of rigid and fixed. Once programmed and then going forever. Now, with wireless and especially with, with, with Bluetooth mesh, this becomes very flexibly reconfigurable. That's the key reason, I think, because that's what people, you know, I don't know, I'm in a room today and, and it used to be a board meeting room. Now I'm just on my own here. So of course I want different experience of the room, including lighting. And one, one day it may become a hybrid conferencing room, right? So like three or four people sitting here in front of a screen and talking to another group or individuals on the other end of the wire, so to speak. So. Uh, and we don't know today how it will be used as a room tomorrow or next week or next year. And, and that's this flexibility that, that we want. And, and that's where the, 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 the ease of reconfiguration, the ease of, of <coughs> reshuffling things is becoming very important. And, and with Bluetooth, you do it with your phone application. That that's all you need, right? So so that that's becoming very very easy, and I, I think that's great. I, it's interesting you mentioned the user. So there's different user types. You have a um, a property manager. You have um, the owner of the building. You have the you know then you have the the person that's in the space. 
um, that, you know, and those people, you know, knowing, you know, moving forward, you would have these fixed offices. That's Greg's office. That's Michael's office. That's Simon's office. You're not allowed to go in there. Um, a lot of that is changing as the information becomes digitized and there's less paper and there's less file folders and these sorts of things. So you're going to see less um, ownership over certain spaces in the office. So there'll be like a room where you can have a private room, but it won't necessarily be anyone's office. Um, and so how we use these spaces, do you think that people are going to want to connect to the local lighting within those spaces as users on an intermittent basis? Do you believe that to be true? Because what we've seen is that that has not happened. Um, on the front lines of lighting, generally what we see is uh, set it and forget it kind of attitude where you change the lights the developers think it's too bright so they take the bulbs out of the fixtures the lady in hr is getting headaches because it's 50k not 35k you change the light or you change whatever there and then after it's set people just leave it the way it is are you foreseeing that people will actively engage in these environments using devices in the future uh, yes, definitely. That's one of the use cases that is being foreseen as one of the future use cases. So I, I think we are not there yet uh, because mostly of people's habits and and to a certain extent, it's limited by the existing complexity of such setup. So I, I think initially it's more about having a couple of scenes to be selectable, like a, B, C, D, and then you even don't need to remember what they mean because you can just try them and see, okay, I like C in this room and, and, and that, that's just fine. But, but you know, I, I'm very much after not over designing and over complicating things because then, then they, people never use, you know, uh, that, that's this old, you know, theme of, of uh, remote controls. Like they, they have all the features that engineers designed and, and people use volume and, and channel up, down and power and that's it, like five buttons. And, and they typically have like 50 because from the engineer's perspective, they, they, they want every feature to be available to the user and, and that, that, that's terrible. I mean, you need to be very careful with this user experience, but uh, if you keep things simple, but but still give this, you know, level of selection to the user, like, uh, and many things, uh, I think it's it's also another great aspect that that many many things, if 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 done right, they can happen behind the scenes, like dim to warm, for example, or this whole circadian or like tunable white in general, right? So that's that's uh, becoming more prevalent in, in, in many, today I would say high-end setups, but, but uh, it's becoming you know, less and less expensive. And, and at, at some point it will be at the same level of you know, having that or not having that. It, it will not introduce any additional cost. And then at that point you would say, you know, why just don't have tunable white setup in every office if, if it's just you know same cost and it just gives you the option because that's what, what it does so controls have been have been talked about a lot and you know even when we talked to you in 2019 the interest is there it's been talked about now we're in 2021 in terms of interest versus actual interest in quotes versus actual results and sales, has that gone up since we last talked? Oh yeah, they that's that's gone that's gone up a lot. Although from a fairly small base initially, so so we see like percentage-wise, we see like double-digit growth uh, easily. But but uh, still on the Global scale, <laughs> the penetration is still very low. So, so like to be very open with you, um, what we're seeing is that that still majority of what people are doing, they do bare minimum. I mean, uh -huh. they they try to you know avoid 
anything that's not necessary. So that's that's also you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's it's very good for wireless and 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 Bluetooth mesh in particular because Bluetooth adds very small increment on top of the bare minimum in terms of cost, complexity, uh, time of, of commissioning, facility downtime, you know, all that is absolutely minimized. That's, that's, that's been always our like uh, key target. Like get, get, like try to get all those associated costs as low as possible or even eliminate them at all. Like if you can, you know, one thing I I think we talked about this during the previous conversation. Uh, Bluetooth mesh virtually eliminated the control boxes, the, the, the central controllers. So traditionally, lighting control systems were associated with the lighting controller because, like, this this was the brains of of the system. In Bluetooth mesh, we don't have it. I mean, it's a it's a fully flat distributed system. So you know. Um, uh, this thing it's it, it looks like a sensor right it's it, it is a sensor actually it's ambient light and occupancy but uh it's the it's the brains as well it, it it's a all the functions including things like uh real time clock are inside this guy and and if you have multiple of those they just combine with each other like like uh, collectively intelligent system like ants, for example, or, or a flock of birds. So they coordinate with each other and, and they communicate with each other, but, but th th there's nothing else. So, so one way of looking at this is, is this is a sensor, but another look looking at this is it's a complete control system. It's Except I, it needs I, a purpose. So like when so when people talk about like hive intelligence or mimicking ants or birds or whatever in a flock and you know listen all you have to do is watch highway 401 in Toronto in fast time and humans behave exactly like birds when they drive their cars it's, it's it's phenomenal how little accidents there are when you look at you know it's I think it's a 24 lane highway you know a 12 going in both directions or whatever and there's off ramps and on ramps it looks exactly like ants or or fish swimming in a in a school or where yeah so it, there's no difference that sort of idea of going in the same direction and that natural momentum is there the problem is that the bluetooth you may say it's like that or it could work like that except it doesn't have a purpose or a direction right now and and i think that you know you talked a little bit about circadian i actually think that the industry should focus right now on providing people with easy tunability because tunability makes total sense to people you know you dim your lights it's like a dimmer so you could have a tuner and a dimmer beside each other on the wall, or if you wanted to have it on an app, I, I think if you had it on the wall, and people could just play with that little slider, like your volume and your channel changer or whatever, and people would learn that, oh, you could actually change the color of the light and the light level. Like the end user consumer is not aware of that. Of uh, it, They understand dimming. They know that they can't dim fluorescent in their offices, although they wish they could, right? And I think a lot of lighting people don't know this, sorry, on top of it. But you can also change the color. And if, you, if we were to start off giving end users easy to, forget about circadian and we're going to program it. and all. If you just told them there's a wall switch on the wall there or there's an app on your phone, you can change the color of these lights and you can change the light level. If people just knew that they could do that uh, after a system was installed, change the color of the light and its light level using this device, they would start to experiment with this. And then you would see interest building in that type of, oh, I, can, I, I like warm white, I like 5000K or whatever. If you gave people that choice, I think that would be a huge step forward in this field of controls. To, that people knew that they could do that and that they were able to do it easily. That doesn't happen yes, very often. Yeah. 
I don't know what do you think about that. So that 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 capability already is built in into Bluetooth Mesh. So that's mm -hmm. it's already there in devices. Like the other thing is whether people are aware of that and using that. That that's another thing. But uh, from the uh, device functionality perspective, so this is a this is a little switch, and um, probably we've touched on, on that before. So it's a Bluetooth switch. It's a self-powered device, so it doesn't require any batteries. It's powered by your mechanical press. So you see, I switched on the lights in the room, and if I have a long press, it dims up. If I have a long press down, it dims down. And then I can turn it off, and it lives forever. I mean, it doesn't require any batteries. You can stick it to to, to a wall. This is the North American uh, form. Yeah, that looks better. That looks better. Uh, get that European, European one out of here. Get that, <laughs> that, that, that one looks better. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, like, if you just gave people that ability, like, and so that's not in their office spaces. People do not think of dimming their lights, and they don't think of tuning them. I mean, in some rooms where they see uh, recessed luminaires, but I think that would be, forget about everything else. If we just got to the point, Greg, of, of letting people know that tuning is, 2020, is, is 2021's gift to the individual out there in the lighting world. You can tune your lights like a dimmer in 1969. You can dim them, you can tune them, right? That would be such a huge step forward towards the adoption of lighting controls massive if we could just that little switch there one of those in every room in every office let's start with that yeah, so so as i said this is available today so actually that switch or that switch interacts with this which mm -hmm. is a sensor but is actually a full controller so they both talk together and this one can dim up down and if it's connected to a tunable white driver it can you know change the the, the kelvin value mm -hmm. up or down from 25 to, to 35, uh, 45, whatever LEDs you have installed. And uh, we can talk very briefly about, you know, uh, that th there's one other trend, the, the underlying trend, which is uh, being carried over from Europe and Asia in, in part to North America, which is digital drivers. DALI, uh, namely, and uh, DALI in North America, it, it, it has some, I think, bad legacy. You know, when we, back 10 years ago, then, then there were some issues with that. But uh, the, the current DALI is fully interoperable and it's, it's extremely simple. So uh, <clears throat> you, have, you have a DALI driver and uh, it has a DALI, it's a red uh, connector here. And your DALI, this is a DALI Bluetooth device. So it's again sensor and it has two wires. And these are bi-directional control and power. So you just plug this device into those two uh, terminals here and that's your complete setup. And it can tune colors, it can read energy consumption from the driver, it has the Bluetooth radio in the sensor. So as I said, it's, it, it looks that simple and, and it's, it's very functional. So I think the simplicity theme, we've We've already delivered that from the product and technology perspective. Now, I think the challenge is really to uh, make people aware that these things are on the market and they are affordable and easy. And I think that, you know, when I read in your deal too here, it says you strongly believe in the future of open, full, cross-vendor, interoperable systems. And it needs to be that way to make us be able to sell it. So how is it going to get there? You believe in it, but how is it going to get there? How are we going to do this? Well, this is true. Simon says, we're going to play Simon Says. <laughs> Simon Says it has to be interoperable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's fundamental. I mean, your <clears throat> line power sockets are interoperable, right? You, you you plug any device into any wall socket and it just works. And, and that's what we expect in other product categories in, in other functionalities. So of course, uh, 
you know, Bluetooth has all this this tradition of being interoperable for audio products, for computer accessories, so mice, keyboards, uh, you know, all, all, they they all work. A mouse works with an iPad and with a laptop, regardless if it's a Mac OS or Windows, and you know, it, it, your phone connects to your car, so so Bluetooth already knows what it means, and and the same concept is is brought to Bluetooth lighting controls that uh, you know th these devices I will uh, I've been showing you they they are all from different vendors so this is made in Japan and this is made in Germany and this is made in in Switzerland uh, and and uh, and the other stuff is is made in America and and you know you just combine them because they support the same standards so I believe um we have very nicely structured those standards and they are actually covered by two standards organizations one is responsible mostly for what we define as intra luminar so whatever gets inside the luminar and this is dali and 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 this is stronger and stronger and and i i, I see many companies in north america really looking forward to that and even uh us department of energy uh they, they are you know really looking forward because dali together with a family of standards it defines not only how a sensor connects to a driver but they also define uh, the profile of the physical opening in the luminar and the connector so it's like I call it USB for lighting. You know, it's a standard plug and standard socket for an add-on. So at this point, we have everything from the standards perspective to enable luminar manufacturers to make luminars with just a socket, and then sensor manufacturers making sensors that just plug in and work, like USB. I mean, so the, the yeah, sorry, the, the dolly driver versus a non-dolly driver. Is there a big cost difference? I believe uh, it's negligible as we speak. It used to be, but but now, yeah. like from the components perspective, like what's inside the dolly driver, there is no difference because every driver today has a microprocessor already. So whether that microprocessor knows how to speak DALI or it knows how to speak the analog 0 to 10, it's the same effort. It's just different language. So, and you know, 0 to 10 only works one way. You provide the control voltage and the luminaire goes up or down. With DALI, you use digital language to tell it go to 50% or go to 80%. And by the way, you may ask the driver, okay, by the way, what's your wattage or or how many hours have you been working in this luminar? And so it it provides this wealth of of data points that can be transferred the other way. So you can look at your dashboard and say, hey, this is my energy consumption by the control by the lighting system. And by the way, I see one of the drivers is overheating now so that 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 opens another huge area of of maintenance like but but that's the next step i think we we are going there step by step we we don't want to introduce everything it's just by introducing this digital communication between a driver in a luminar and the, the wireless part it's very important because because you get everything from luminar to your dashboards or whatever supervisory systems you have. And you also have in the other direction from this little switch to tell the driver, okay, go to 27 Kelvin. Uh, what you're saying is that it would be a lot easier if they all spoke the same language. Yes. yes. Yeah, like makes sense. And the language right? is defined today. And, and that, that's, that, that's a beautiful part. And one thing that's changed quite recently, I mean, definitely in between our previous discussion and today is that 
Bluetooth and DALI are now working together. So one defines the intraluminar standards, the opening, the connector, the two wires that connect, and whatever data is going back and forth. And the other defines the wireless part of that system. And they very nicely plug in together because there's no point of having wireless between drivers in a linear luminar because they are all connected anyway. So wired inside makes sense. Outside, luminar to luminar, wireless makes more sense. And that's where Bluetooth comes in. But the important part is that what happens at the border between those two is also covered by standards. And it's there is a certification program for that. And that's exactly what this Bluetooth and DALI Alliance liaison is about. It's very important. I think that was the missing link, you know, uh, before. Now, now yeah. I would say we have like, Everything that that's needed is covered by the standards. So, so the, the next step, of course, is the role of the product companies to deliver products that comply to those standards. Right? This is where we are today. I mean, there are products available, but there are also many in development. And and the next step, of course, is to educate people. It's your role, right? It's your purpose uh, to tell uh, the installers community and the distributors, okay, hey, you should be paying attention to these things because they matter. And they provide you with this long-term uh, technology platform for your you know, future um, functionalities. And, and I want to answer that on the behalf of Nailed, Greg, before you go. Yeah. We'll think about paying attention to it. We're not sure yet, though. <laughs> that's kind of where everybody is. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, you know, oh, so now you got Dally, eh? You're, oh, you guys are ready to cook now. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think we need demand from the end users. And we need demand <clears throat> from the, like we, somehow we have to reach, we have to, re, we have to tell consumers that tunability is as easy as dimming if you get the equipment right. Then you can change the color of your lights too. After that, I think it gets too complicated for the consumer, or the, mm -hmm. the end user, the the office worker. You know, dim and change the color. That's where we're at now. And uh, you know, yeah. if they if they started asking for that, Greg, then the distributors would be like, "Okay, Simon, what do you got? Let's <laughs> give it to me." You know what I'm saying? There's like uh, distributors and contractors. They don't go like to go out and tell people what's up all the time. They like to listen to what their customers are asking for and give them that, you know? Sorry, Greg, that went longer than yeah, I no, thought. But and yeah. No, this ties in exactly what I want to ask you now, Simon, is, okay. is real-world applications. What, what a, Can you give us some case study? I know I saw it on the Bluetooth SIG website, but give us some uh, real-world applications on who's doing this right now and what they're doing. <clears throat> yeah, so, of course, there are several application areas and and offices is definitely one of the leading area uh, people do retrofit projects they replace all lights with leds and then if this incremental cost and effort of adding bluetooth based controls is is, is very low then 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 of course it's a great opportunity to you know uh, make lighting much more functional and, and, and future-proof. So, so we see many projects, retrofit projects in offices implementing Bluetooth lighting controls. That's definitely one area. And I, I think there are three drivers there. One is the end user facing functionality. Definitely, Michael, you were mentioning that many times, like tunability, that's the end user feature, right? Uh, the other is energy conservation. Definitely, you know, no people in the room turn the lights off. I mean, it's very simple, but but uh, you need controls for that. And with with Bluetooth, it's extremely easy to to implement. And the, the savings are 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 obvious. So so the the payback is is is, is very short on that, and and it's a very low-hanging fruit, 
and, and, and the third area, uh, so functionality is number one, uh, energy savings is number two, and number three is, is this maintenance part. Now, uh, as of today, increasingly more uh, lighting setups are from the contractual perspective, they are as a service. So, so the, the facility owner, they do not own the lights. They just have a contract with another party who provides <coughs> lighting and, and the lighting provider, they need to make sure that everything works, right? If, if, if you have a number of buildings uh, as a provider and each building has thousands of lights, then statistically the lights will be breaking, right? So you will have like three out of say 200,000 failing every day. But now tell me which three, that's the challenge, right? So <laughs> if, if, if you have a system that, that tells you, okay, that light has gone down, go and replace it. And even better if, if you have a system that would tell you, okay, this will be down, shortly because it's overheating or, or that there is some weird problem. Uh, and, and the DALI driver, by the way, can report that, you know, over voltage, over current, overheat, uh, voltage spikes, like all that can be reported. So, so you can see, okay, one is behaving differently than the, 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 the rest. Uh, of course, you can proactively manage that. And that's great from the, your customer satisfaction perspective. So, so it's like, you know, I really like telling that story from the uh, hotel perspective because like <laughs> replacing a light before it breaks, it's a huge value compared to replacing a light when the guest reports a broken light, right? It's, it's, it's a completely different level of, of, of service and, and, and customer satisfaction. And the same applies to office. And especially if you're in this light as a service uh, situation, then, then you as a service provider, you need to know it's all working well. And if something breaks that you, you're the first that wants to know, <laughs> not your customer. So maintenance is, is, is a huge thing and uh, not yeah, but that's a, that's a, that's something that's never been, to, I mean, we've been talking about that for 20 years, Simon, going back to the old, um, you know, cat five cable in every fixture, people have been talking about, you know, knowing whether the ballast is out or the lamps are out. And I've looked into this, how to, and, and so from the way, I, the way I see it was that they would be measuring the energy consumption of the fixture. And if that energy consumption went down to zero, we knew it was the like on the old fluorescent days, you would know it was the ballast that was out. If it went down by, if it was a four lamp fixture and it went down by 25%, you knew you had a lamp out. And so you could see this information, but it wasn't, it was told, it, it, it was conveyed to the hub, the lighting hub by energy consumption data or amps, right? So, uh -huh. How does Bluetooth know, or how does Dali or whatever the communication protocol that's doing this is, how does it know when a when a driver is going to fail? Like what would it what would it say <clears throat> to the system? You'd get an alert saying driver in fixture three twenty one, which is on the twenty first floor in office A, change the driver because it's gonna blow in two weeks or it's getting hot, or how would it know? What would it Yeah, it can do say? that. So so Dali defines about 80 different parameters that are reported by a driver. So temperatures, voltages, power, uh, and they are bucketed such that they are reported by a driver itself or by a driver on behalf of the fixture. So actually the driver can say, my power load is this and that, but I see that my fixture is not drawing any of that, right? So, so that, that, that gives you this additional information. And now this, I mentioned <coughs> DALI and Bluetooth working together and this liaison agreements and the uh, resulting specifications. They, they, 
Dali has been doing this for years. And now Bluetooth has a very precise mapping of this data into Bluetooth data. So, so you, you exactly have access to all those parameters and you know what they mean. So your supervisory software, it's software again, but, but it, it can, you know, receive all that and say, okay, uh, I see all those parameters are within the norm, but one or two are way above, which means something. And now, you know, it's, it's down to what the software, how, the, how it interprets those parameters. But in the end, it's exactly what you're saying. Of course, we have lighting systems are typically, you know, when they are commissioned, they are using reflected reflective floor plans, right? So, you know, each fixture is mapped to a particular location on a floor plan. And therefore, if this driver in that fixture reports something that you can instantly map that to a physical device, okay, that lamp is too hot. Something wrong, something's wrong with that, let's, let's go and check. And what percent of the jobs that you've done or these case studies that are real world applications have dolly drivers? And I know you might not know offhand, but just if you had to guess. Is it every, half of them? Is it a third of them? In Europe, 100%. In North America, about 10%. So, 10. Yeah, we are definitely, North America, it's, a, it's, it's still a lot of work to be done, but, 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 you know, it's all available and the price point, as we discussed, is, is, has equalized. That's very important. And the variety of, of drivers is, is equal. I think they are all in distribution and they are all standardized. So, I mean, you know, uh, you can even mix them in, in a single fixture. Like if, if you want uplight and downlight and, and uh, signified driver works best for your uplight application and, and Osram works better for your downlight, then you can put the two together and, and they will work because this, that's the level of standardization in DALI that, that, that we have. And that's, that's very good. So um, I think it's again, you know, uh, companies who are aware of those benefits, like remote diagnostics management they you know it's obvious for them what to do but but the this opportunity is mostly in the again in educating the market about the opportunity because many people just don't realize and don't know and and that's where we are in europe right dali has been for you know 20 years and and you know nobody uses anything else like but in north america it's been zero to ten system uh, until now right so it, it takes i think that there weren't enough advantages of dali before those inexpensive easy to set up control systems like bluetooth mesh but now the incentive is is, is very obvious have you had any exterior applications? Yes. Lighting? Um, area lighting is is very popular uh, using Bluetooth. So uh, parking lots, parking structures. I'm not sure still if parking structure is exterior or interior. It it, it really depends. Yeah. But but the, definitely this is the area. Um, you know, uh, gas stations. They are very popular. Uh, car dealerships, these sorts of applications. They, they, they all <coughs> require some basic lighting controls like basic scheduling and uh, astronomical clocks and uh, occupancy reaction. Because uh, say, uh, if you have a car dealership, then, then uh, it, lights on the parking lot, they should react different when the shop is open and they should react differently when it's not open, right? So, so it's this, <clears throat> it, it manifests through the lighting behavior, it's open, closed state. Uh, it's, it, people like that. And, and again, it's quite easy to set up. And uh, of course, there has been always this concern about how far in terms of distances, can you go with Bluetooth? So, of course, with Bluetooth Mesh, you can go over multiple hops, but there still needs to be 
a radio range between two adjacent like poles, for example, and uh, uh, that requires paying some attention because it's mostly about how your antennas are, are engineered. So typically, indoor, an antenna is embedded in a driver itself, and it has sufficient range. For outdoor applications, typically you have a little pole antenna sticking out, like a rubber, you know, um, one and a half inch high thing. Uh, it multiplies the range, and and you know, it, it's a matter of like you, you select your uh, <clears throat> uh, weatherproof or waterproof, or you know, uh, it's different sort of equipment in many areas, not just wireless performance for outdoor and indoor. So that's but, definitely but something. Simon, the most definitely, the, the biggest business case for this technology is in outdoor street lighting. There's no other application that I can think of that has, um, can have the greatest environmental impact, the most energy savings, um, the most health benefits, so if we're able to lower the Kelvin temperature, tighten the beam angle, reduce the light level, turn it up if there's first responders in the area and they need more light for that area, turn it back down for bird migrations and for dark sky reasons and light pollution and light trespass, the, the municipalities should be looking at this technology, especially with the integration with DALI now, immediately to solve if they i i think the international dark sky association should make bluetooth mesh <laughs> and it, it as part of dark sky certification moving forward like you have to have this ability in order for your town or whatever or like a premium level of certification would be the inclusion of this so that all the lights could be turned off on certain days if there's animal flights or wildlife or something like that needed I absolutely see it as um, one of the, the the easiest places and with the best business cases for outdoor. Greg, I mean, is there, Simon says, is there anything else we can roll with here, brother? I mean, I, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty, the, the, when did you guys formalize the relationship with Dali? That's one thing I, we didn't ask. Two years ago. Or a little bit less, maybe 20 months ago, and uh, that's when it started. And yeah, it's been it's been going great. I mean, we released this interface specification yeah, uh, earlier this year. Yes, and it's a great step forward. And now we are <clears throat> jointly working on a combined certification program because so currently get the, get you guys into the dark sky universe because this is absolutely i'm so passionate about this issue this is absolutely fundamental for the the lighting industry has all of the technology it needs to solve the light pollution issue period end of the story every european town should in the next five years should be dark sky friendly because of this and then all the u.s towns will follow 10 years later but yes <laughs> you guys should do it right now because it's the, it's a, such a wonderful, solvable environmental issue, and the controls just ice that cake with Dali so perfectly. They, this, the towns could know which street lights were out. They could uh, lower the Kelvin temperature, reduce the light output. I mean, it's just such a, it's such an obvious think, application, yeah. a massive application too, obvious and enormous at the same time. I fully agree that the technology is available for that. It just takes one or two good product companies to do that because like I don't, the features you mentioned, they, they are different than the feature set required for offices, right? Mm -hmm. And and because in an office you do not respond to um, a fire brigade truck or, or you know, uh, um, these are the details that matter. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you have, it's less complicated uh, though, Simon. It's more obvious. Uh, the, the market is bigger and it's the same everywhere. Like it, it's it's not like there's different types of commercial applications. This guy's selling art. This guy's selling something different. There's 
Street lighting needs to be lower Kelvin temperature, less light, controllable, turned up if necessary. All, it's, it's simple, easy, obvious, and enormous marketplace. And I, I just... Call for action. Yes, right now. Listen to Starving for Darkness with Jane Slade and I as well. So not you, Simon. You can do whatever you want, but all the listeners <laughs> out there, if you're interested in other more uh, inter- well, more, um, my, stuff on the, on my, the darkness thing. Yeah. Go ahead. My hobby is uh, deep sky, deep night sky photography. So, you know, I'm I'm in the same audience. I mean, light pollution is something that that is 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 really something that's. It's uh, disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yep. And and you see increasingly more and more of mm-hmm. that for no apparent reason because the technology to nicely take care of that is available take zakopana okay which we were talking about before we started recording where my where my father-in-law is from right beautiful ski village right before they had hps lights on the ski hill at night orange and all that sort of stuff not that offensive they changed them to 5000k led and you can see them uh 100 kilometers away now Right, and you, and now you're trying to look through your telescope in the Tatra Mountains in Slovakia, and all you can see is the light from the the ski resort a hundred kilometers away in Zakopana. This is a disaster. It needs to stop happening immediately. You know, it's it like we have all the technology, yeah, and especially as nobody nobody needs that much light, right? It's just you know, uh, it's like the story in general with power that power is nothing without control. So you can you can say the same here, right? So so you know the controllability is fundamental. Because then that then really it can serve the purpose. Other than that it's 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 abusive uh, almost all the time. It's a trespass. Simon, always a pleasure brother. Thank you for being a guest on the show again and um, yes. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to perhaps uh, some more episodes in future uh, mm-hmm. with some more updates. In the meantime, yes, uh, let me know if there's anything I could uh, help with. I'm, I'm very much for, you know, this educational part and evangelization part. So, uh, yeah. And Thanks, folks, guys. if you made it to the end here with us today, you got you can't forget about the easy folks. They make it so easy down at KeystoneTech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Greg Eric. Schedule a live demo with them. Check out their products. See it in action. And go sell them. And, of course, longtime members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's right. Keystone and Nail together for, what, 12 years? Something like that anyway. And you know, why don't you, distributors out there, why don't you join us? That's right. We have LS Evolve. And as soon as we stop pressing record, I'm going to talk to Simon about doing some education on LS Evolve about Bluetooth Mesh. Yeah, there you go. So I'm just about to ask him as soon as we stop recording if he would help the distributors out there get a handle on this Bluetooth Mesh and Dally and all this kind of stuff and how they can sell it. So you out there, you should join Nailed as well. Go to naild.org, keystonetech.com. Folks, thanks for listening. Bye for now.